Good morning and welcome once again. My name is Craig. I'm the senior pastor here, and it is our privilege to have you with us. It's a little full, and so as you're sort of arranging yourself and spreading out a little bit after the kids left, there's one thing I want to point out to you. Beginning on May the 7th, so about three weeks from today, we're going to go to a second service on Sunday mornings here. So we'll have an 8.30 service, and we'll have an 11 o'clock service so that we can make more room for you and for more room for you to bring somebody with you. This afternoon at 12 o'clock, we're going to have an email that's going to go out to you, and you're going to have an opportunity to RSVP for which service you and your family would like to attend. This is not a requirement, okay, right? We just need to try and get a head count for, uh, as we're planning for who's going to show up. So I'd encourage you to take a minute to, at some point in the next week and RSVP for which service you think you'll attend on May the 7th, and do me a favor, share that with somebody else, invite them to come with you. We're going to two services so that we have more room. Some of you are looking around going, so this is what it's like at Easter here. If you're not normal here, this is actually what it's like every Sunday. So we're trying to create space, and we're doing that by going to a second service. So I hope that you will plan to be a part of that with us beginning on May the 7th. If you have your Bible, we're in the book of Acts. So I'd encourage you to go ahead and turn to the book of Acts. And we're in chapter 16. Now some of you are thinking, well, that's an odd sermon, an odd verse, an odd passage of Scripture for us to be in on Easter Sunday. We're here on Easter Sunday. We're here celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is no reason that we would gather if it weren't for the fact that Jesus borrowed a tomb for three days and gave it back on Sunday morning. The Bible teaches us very clearly that Jesus Christ on Friday died. He gave his life, died on a cross to save sinners just like you and me. But on Sunday morning, he rose from the grave. And because he rose from that grave, we gather on Sundays and we celebrate the risen, resurrected Jesus Christ. And so this morning, even though we're going to begin our, our sermon with a different passage of Scripture, I promise you we're going to make it back to Easter. And my hope and prayer this morning is not just that you would know the biblical story of the resurrection. My hope and prayer is that some of you today would experience the resurrection of Jesus Christ in your own life as you give your heart and life to Jesus. If you have your Bible, I hope you've turned. We're in Acts chapter 16. We're going to begin reading in verse 23. And we do something here on Sunday mornings. We stand when we read Scripture. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me in honor of God's Word. And I'm going to read verses 23 through 34. The Bible says this. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Now these people are Paul and Silas. Verse 24, having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet into the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your whole household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Let's pray together one more time. Lord God, I pray that this message of a redeemed jailer would... 
ring true in our hearts today. That, Father God, we would experience the life that only Jesus Christ can offer, the hope, the forgiveness, and the salvation. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Will you be saved? Again, we've gathered here today. It's Sunday, so a lot of us gather on Sunday anyway, but a lot of you are here today because it's Easter Sunday. Now, let me just let you know, if you didn't know that, the only reason that Christians worship on Sunday, or I should say the primary reason that Christians worship on Sunday instead of Saturday, is because Jesus rose from the grave on Sunday. And this is why. This is why every Sunday, in many ways, every single Sunday is an Easter Sunday. Every single Sunday is another celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we find ourselves in the book of Acts. And we've been working our way through Acts now for over a year here at Malvern Hill. And here in this passage of Acts, we're reading about two missionaries named Paul and Silas. And Paul and Silas have been thrown into jail, and they've been thrown into jail because, you ready, they have been speaking about the resurrected Jesus Christ. Paul and Silas are in jail precisely because they believe in that which we celebrate today. And not only do they believe in it, they believe in it and they are seeing the work of Christ among the people to whom they're ministering with power. Incredible power such that demons are being cast out of people. People are being healed and people are being saved. This morning, as we've gathered together, the question I have for you is, will you be saved? Would you today, if this is the first time that you've ever been in church, or the 30th time, or this is just a normal thing for you, but you've never ever given your heart to Christ, would today be the day? Now, I know some of you think, hey, Craig, that's a whole lot to ask. I just showed up here to have a good time before the egg hunt. I got it. And yet, I actually believe. And by the way, there's no egg hunt here, so if you showed up looking for that, we don't have one, okay? you got to do your own egg hunt. We're a DIY egg hunt, D, D, whatever. Um, you might not have shown up here today expecting to meet Jesus. You may have shown up here today just because it was a good excuse to wear your Carolina Cup clothes one more time, right? Maybe it was a good excuse to finally get your kid to put on that bow tie you've been wanting him to wear, whatever the reason is. I don't really care why you're here today. My belief today is that regardless of why you came, that God may have brought you here for a different purpose. And I would ask you that as we consider this passage of Scripture this morning, that you open your mind and your heart to hear what God might have to say to you. Because I believe it's very possible today that just like a Philippian jailer went to bed one night expecting nothing crazy to happen. Some of you showed up at church today not expecting much crazy to happen. But I believe the possibility exists that the same God who can open up the doors of prison cells in an ancient city of Philippi could open up the doors of your heart and set you free from the sin that you might not even know you're held captive to. So three things I want us to see from this passage of Scripture this morning. The first thing I want you to know is this. Jesus knows where you've been. Jesus knows where you've been. Some of you wandered in here this morning going, if I show up and he knows where I've been, he's going to set the place on fire. Right? Some of you are members here and you thought that a long time ago, right? I, I like those amens. I appreciate that. Some, but, but Jesus actually knows where you've been. Wherever you were last night or last week or last month or last year, he knows. He knows all about it. And the wild thing about it is that Jesus knows where you've been. And you ready? He loves you anyway. 
He actually knows where you've been. He knew where you were going to go. He knew the poor decisions you were going to make. And he still suffered on a Roman cross 2,000 years ago and died for your sin and for mine. God knows where you've been. Not only does he know where you've been, you ready for this? He brought you here today. He has a plan and a purpose in that. See, God knew where to find the jailer and he knows where to find you. God knew where to find this jailer. There's an interesting thing that happens in this passage of Scripture. The the story is really focused on Paul and Silas. And we're talking about Paul and Silas in jail. And yet all of a sudden we recognize that the only reason that God has Paul and Silas in jail is so that this jailer and his household can hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ. This shouldn't surprise you too much if you were here last week because last week we saw how Paul and his traveling companions had desired to go and do ministry in Asia, right? But instead of going to Asia, God said, don't go there and don't go up here. Instead, he said, I need you to go to Europe. And so Paul and his traveling friends, his mission party, they didn't go where they desired to go. Instead, they went to Asia, and went, or excuse me, they went to Europe, to Macedonia. And when they got there, they met a, a lady named Lydia, who happened to be an Asian woman from the city of Thyatira. Paul didn't get to go where he wanted to go because what was the story? God had the people that Paul needed to reach in Asia waiting for him in Macedonia. I promise that Paul and Silas didn't have a desire to go to jail. They had zero desire to be in prison, but they needed to get into the prison system because it was in that place that they were going to meet the Philippian jailer that needed to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're a believer here today, God may have sent you somewhere you didn't desire to be because there was somebody there who needed to hear a message that only you could share. If you're a non-believer here today, I want you to know that regardless of how it is that God got you here, He brought you here because He wants you to hear the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God knows where you've been and He loves you. He sees you. But watch this. Even though he knows where you've been, he knows where you are, he doesn't leave you there. He didn't send Paul and Silas to prison to give a high five to the prison garden and walk on out. He sent them there on a purposeful journey. They went there to proclaim the good news of the gospel. Now, God doesn't leave many things up to chance. He's pretty awesome like that. He assumed, I shouldn't say God assumed, he sent them there and Paul and Silas were living in obedience. They were doing what they were supposed to do. The Bible says that there they were, having been beaten, having been thrown into the stocks in the inner prison, and they were singing praises to the Lord. Folks, let me just tell you this, believer, listen to me. Do you desire to gain a hearing among your community? Do you desire to be able to speak the gospel around the, among the people who live around you? You need to make sure that you're living a life of consistent Christian character. If Paul and Silas had found their way into prison and they were acting like every other prisoner, screaming, cussing, spitting, and yelling at everybody that put their hands on them, then when everything went crazy, the Philippian jailer probably had zero desire to hear anything they have to say. But instead, the Bible says that there they were singing and praying. Do you not believe that there was something that the the jailer thought, "These, these guys are either crazy or there's something really different about their lives? God knows where you've been. He knew where this jailer was. And there in the middle of that dark night, he sent Paul and Silas into prison to carry the good news. Have you ever found yourself in a dark place needing hope? 
In the darkest night of despair, Jesus brings light and hope. Imagine how scary this. Now let's walk through the story. Paul and Silas are in jail. They're singing. They're offering praises. It matters that this is a Saturday night. How do I know it's a Saturday? The Bible says they were off to the place of prayer. This would have been on a Saturday. This was a, a, a sort of Jewish diaspora community they were ministering among. Remember, Paul and Silas were at the, the, the Jewish ladies' Bible study they'd been attending out by the river where Lydia had been saved. And the Bible says they were on their way to the place of prayer for the prayer meeting. They were having that meeting on Saturday. So on Saturday, the Bible says they were arrested and thrown into prison. They began to sing and pray. They began to celebrate all that God was doing. And somewhere over in the middle of the night on Saturday, God did something crazy. So that by Sunday morning, all sorts of things were turned upside down. I don't know if you know this, but there was a Sunday morning just a few years prior to this when everything got turned upside down. In the middle of your darkness... Jesus brings light and hope. I want you to imagine how scary this situation was for the jailer. Now, as I read that passage of Scripture, you may have heard me say that Paul screamed, don't harm yourself, but it might not have clicked with you why that mattered. See, according to Roman custom and the law, as a matter of fact, as it was in this time, this jailer was responsible for all of the prisoners. And the best way to ensure that he did his job well was to make certain that he understood that his life was on the line for any lives that he lost. And so the Bible says that there was this earthquake that took place. Now, don't mistake this for some plain earthquake. Regular earthquakes don't open doors and break chains. You understand? This is something else. And in this divine moment, this man hears the earthquake and in the dark... He rushes and he looks in. And there he sees all of the prison doors open and he assumes that all of the prisoners have escaped. And here's what he knew. He knew that if even one had escaped, he would have to pay with his life. Assuming that they had all left, the Bible says that he drew his sword and he was fixing to kill himself. And Paul screams out to this man in that place, Do not harm yourself. Folks, I want to remind you this morning that God sees you right where you are, and He doesn't want you to hurt yourself. The jailer said, Bring a light. He hears this voice. Don't harm yourself. We're all here. And the jailer has to think it can't be this good. You know, in the darkness, everything seems bad. Now, we know what this looks like in the physical darkness. Any of y'all ever gotten afraid of something in the dark? I know y'all have. Don't lie. Some of y'all say, I've never been afraid of the dark. Y'all liars. <laughs> y'all are liars, right? I mean, just, it's just like that. I think I told this story once. I'll tell it again. I was, I was hunting about 20 years ago and uh, uh, deer hunting, and it got late. It was coming out of the stand. And if you've ever had that moment, you're coming out and just, you just don't feel real good. Everything feels a little bit awkward. Again, some of y'all are manlier than me. You never had that feeling. That's fine. Some of y'all walk out by candlelight, not me. I'm toting like a spotlight. Like, whoa, I want to see everything. And I'm walking out of the woods, and I just had that weird feeling, and I keep looking around, and all of a sudden, somebody grabbed me from behind, and I almost died right there on the spot. It wasn't anybody at all. It was a pine tree that grabbed me. That's all it was. <laughs> and the darkness can make everything seem worse than it is. 
Some of you know that the spiritual and emotional darkness in your life has made things seem really, really bad. In the Gospel of John, the Gospel writer uses darkness not only descriptively but creatively to show the darkness in people's lives, sometimes the darkness of their understanding or even the darkness of their hearts. When Jesus died, the Bible teaches us that the whole world went dark. Some of you know that the darkness has settled in over your lives. Some of you know, I mean, if we can just be honest, there's some of you that don't just know. Some of you recently have wrestled with the darkness just as this jailer did. And you've stared at the blade and considered whether or not it was all worth it. Some of you got long sleeves on to hide the wounds from where you've cut yourself. Because the darkness gets so thick you can't seem to find a way out. This jailer stood at the door prepared to kill himself. You know what the Bible doesn't tell us? It doesn't tell us how Paul knew to tell him to stop. We don't know. We don't know if Paul could somehow see him silhouetted against the light or if Paul could hear him perhaps exasperated and worried. Here's what this man knew. That his wife was fixing to be husbandless. That his children were fixing to be fatherless. That his life was fixing to end in the blink of an eye. And in that place, all hope was lost. And Paul cried out, do not harm yourself. See, I don't know for sure if Paul could see him. But I know that God could see him in that moment. And God sent a man in the middle of the dark to say, do not hurt yourself. I came today to tell you, don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt yourself. The jailer said, bring a light. See, the dark of Saturday night can feel hopeless, but salvation is in the light. And in the light, you discover the way out when it seemed like all hope was lost. Somebody here today wandered in in the dark. But Jesus is the light of the world. And in His light, you can find Hope where you thought certain death loomed. Would you be saved today? Jesus knows where you've been. Jesus has been where you are. Now, this seems a little bit wild to some of you. I'm a pastor, so here's what I get a lot of times. Well, you don't understand you're a pastor. I love it because y'all think I'm perfect and it's great, you know. Like sometimes I see y'all at like Lowe's and I'm buying a plunger and go, what are you doing here? Believe it or not, there are toilets in our house and they still get clogged. I mean, it happens in the pastor's house. It does. We have to do things. We have to to buy cleanser. I I have to repair things. We break all kinds of stuff. We're not perfect parents. I'm not always even the nicest person. I wish I was, but sometimes I battle against that. But the Bible teaches us that Jesus has been where you are. 
And here's what I mean by that. The book of Hebrews says that we have a great high priest who has experienced the same temptations that we've experienced, the same trials. So the Bible teaches us that, but that's not the only thing. So watch. If you think there's no way that Jesus can understand, Jesus does. And if you think that he's never been tempted the way you've been tempted, I just want you to think about something just real quick for me. Imagine being the son of God, the most powerful being that exists on planet earth. And in that place, you decide that rather than display all of your power and wipe everybody off the face of the planet, that you would rather hide your power, ride into town on a donkey, and then be crucified on a cruel wooden cross. You don't know temptation like that temptation, folks. I don't know that kind of temptation. But it's not only that he understands the way that we've been tempted. The Bible says that Jesus actually understands the depth and the depravity of your sin. He's been there. He's been at the bottom of the bottle you've been at. He's woken up in the places you shouldn't have been at. He's looked at the things you shouldn't have. And some of you are calling me a heretic right now. You ready for this? The Bible says that he hung on a cross to die for every one of our sins. Every single one of our sins. Some of you believe that it's not possible that you could be redeemed. You actually believe that you've done too much and you've gone too far. But if that is true, then Jesus didn't do what he said he did. He suffered and died for the sins of all humanity. And so he has actually been where you have been. The ugly places, the grimy places, the dirty places, the sad places, the broken places, the hurt places. He's been there in all of those places. You ready? And he still loves you. Still loves you. Believe it or not, Jesus understands your situation. He understands it. He understands it completely. Teenagers, y'all are going to love this. He's like, y'all hear this from your parents occasionally. Here's what other parents say. I don't. Um, well, other parents will say things like, we understand where you've been, right? We've been there, and y'all just, my kids don't, but other kids just give these really loud eye rolls um, and deep sighs because, you know, all the rest of you parents are really old and can't really understand. Y'all don't know where these kids have been. Y'all have never actually dealt with peer pressure. You've never actually been a teenager and understand what life is like. You've never had any of those happen. If you're over the age of 18, you've actually never had to do anything hard. Everything's been easy for you, and so just shut up and let them figure it out on their own. That's really what they want, right? There's a lot of silence over here. <laughs> Believe it or not, Jesus understands. Okay, So parents, this is where we get to go, uh, right? He gets it. He's been in all of those places and he's overcome. He's also suffered on your behalf. Y'all ever tried to keep your kids from suffering? Right? We don't like to see them hurt. We don't even like the skint knees they get on a bicycle. Here's, here's one of my favorite things. Like, I, I love, I look outside and I see a kid riding down the street in like a pair of flip flops on a bicycle. Oh, yeah, yeah. Everybody over 18 just knows how stupid that is. I mean, it is unbelievably dumb. There's nothing about that that makes any sense at all. It's just a prayer for death, but it's not like a quick death, it's a slow, painful death. Skin gets ripped off, toes get lost. I mean, everything that can go wrong can go wrong when you're riding a bicycle with flip flops or my favorite, barefooted. It thrills my soul. 
like skateboarding barefooted. And I'm like, what in the world is even happening? I mean, people do this. And you speak to your children and they just look at you like you've lost your mind. You don't know anything. I'm like, I know something about that. I don't know anything about nuclear fission, but I know everything about what's going to go wrong if you keep doing that. But then we have these kids. I don't, of course, but y'all do. You have kids who don't believe anything you say. So it doesn't matter how many times you told them not to ride their bicycle with their flip-flops on. You look outside, and they're like one flip-flop on, one flip-flop off, and they're riding down the road holding a drink and throwing something at somebody else. So like no hands on the bike, and you're looking out there. There's no helmet. They don't have clothes on. I mean, it's just terrible. Everything about it's awful, and you're scared to death because you know what's coming, and they're just looking at you like you're just the meanest parent in the whole wide world. You're so overprotective, and you don't know anything. Right? All of them are like, yes, I feel seen today. And all the parents in here are like, this is my life. And I, there's aspects of this that are not enjoyable, right? Folks, Jesus understands your situation. He does. And this is why. He suffered on the cross for your sin. You understand what that means? That means he experienced, he experienced... The consequences of sin. And so when the Bible, for instance, speaks to us about sexuality. And the Bible gives us a picture for how it is that we're supposed to live. It's because God designed us and says, this is the way that you live and experience the greatest fulfillment without pain and suffering. When the Bible gives us those Ten Commandments, we're going to go through the Ten Commandments. I'm going to preach through those at the end of the year. I'm already excited about it. When he says, you shall have no other gods before me, it's not just because God is like selfish and saying, look at me, I'm the greatest thing. He says, if you want to have a rightly ordered life, it begins right here. And see, Jesus has been there and he knows when you don't what's coming. All right, we've got to move on. So he's been where you are, but then watch. He has experienced the depths of your, depths of your sin and your shame. And he has overcome the grave to set you free. The darkness whispers and screams. Your sins cry out for punishment. Ready? Others demand your death and your pain and your suffering. And this is the story of the Philippian jailer. Imagine he sees these prison doors fly open. Perhaps this is a crooked and depraved man who says, Well, finally my sins have come to visit me for all the years that I've spent doing this wretched, treacherous job. In this moment, I'm finally being paid back for my sin. And I know that my superiors want my death, and so I will die today. Others demand it, but then watch. The earth shakes. The ground, scr- the ground crumbles. Doors fly open. And rather than demanding his death, the reality is that Jesus is there with Paul. Jesus is there in his Holy Spirit speaking through Paul. And he's screaming, don't hurt yourself. Don't harm yourself. There's hope. Jesus has been there with you. The storm doesn't have to be the sign of your demise. It can be the beginning of your hope. How many of y'all been woken up by earthquakes in the last year? We've been there, right? It's a little crazy. We had one that came through during a work day one day. We listened to it. We heard it coming. Shake everything in here. Right? And then leave. It's wild. The first one that we heard, we were laying in bed. It woke me up at like 2 o'clock in the morning. Shook the whole house. Right? 
Some of y'all are like, I didn't hear anything. It woke me up. I couldn't go back to sleep. It freaked me out. I couldn't figure out what in the world was going on. Just imagine these storms that show up in your life. Some of you are in the middle of a storm. And you're assuming that that storm is going to end in your death, but it doesn't have to be your demise. That storm could be, could be the earthquake that God sent to get your attention. Folks, the next time that the storms come in your life, look around at who it is that God sent to be beside you. Who did God send to be there with you in that storm? He sent the earthquake. Before he sent the earthquake, he sent Paul and Silas to guide the jailer through it. Jesus has been where you are. And he's experienced the depths of your sin and shame. But he's overcome. And that's what we celebrate at Easter. He's overcome for you and for me. And third, this morning, Jesus is ready to save you today. Jesus is ready to save you today. Listen, it's, it's, it's Easter. It's Resurrection Sunday. We have some friends in Latvia. They call, they call Easter the big day. I kind of like that. If I thought that I could pull off rebranding it, I would. But I think that I would probably fail. But, I mean, I like that. We just put a big sign out from, welcome to the big day, you know. Um, I mean, it, it, it's, it's exciting, but it is. This is it. This is the big day. I mean, and, and as a pastor, this is Super Bowl Sunday. I mean, I, I've been looking forward to this for a while. I, 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 get, I get so excited. I know that you guys will show up eager to hear the word preached. But I want you to know that Jesus rose from the grave to set you free from your sin. And I say that to say this. He didn't rise from the grave primarily so that I could put on this bow tie and get up here and preach to you on Sunday mornings. He didn't rise from the grave so y'all could have an egg hunt this afternoon. He didn't rise from the grave so you could put on your new clothes. He didn't rise from the grave so that you could cook ham and eat it with mama. Those are all good things. Those are all great things and wonderful things. But if you believe that Easter is primarily about bunny rabbits and eggs and those horrible Cadbury cream eggs, who even came up with that? They're awful. I don't even understand. Like, they're, they are so bad, they should really just relegate them to Halloween, you know? They shouldn't be on a good holiday. They should put them with a bad holiday. Call them Cadbury cream pumpkins or something. And then allow for, like, redeemed candy to exist around Easter. Only redeemed. Look, y'all don't have to like it, but y'all know it's true, okay? Some of y'all just live in a lie. But he didn't, I promise you. The primary purpose in Jesus' resurrection have anything to do with candy and eggs and, and even our celebrations. See, the jailer understood more was at play. And that's where we find ourselves. Paul says, don't harm yourself. And the jailer called out for lights. I love it. He rushed in with the lights. You imagine? This man, in one moment, is leaning over a sword fixing to kill himself. And the next minute, he's saying, somebody bring me a light. And he runs in and there in the light he discovers that everybody's still there. Do you see what just happened? This man was delivered from death to life that fast, that quickly. I want you to know that when Jesus saves you, there's no interim period. There's no intermediary. When Jesus saves you, that's it. Boom. You pass from death to life. New life begins in that moment. So he says, bring a light, and he rushes in. And when he rushes in, and the light reveals. So this is what the light of Jesus can do in your life. The light of Jesus can reveal that maybe things aren't quite as bad as you thought they were. In the darkness, you thought it was time to end it all. But in the light, you discover that there is actually a way out. In the light of Christ, you discover there's hope. 
There's joy. You ready? You ready? You discover there's a future. Spoke with a young man not, not too long ago. He said, you know, I never expect to live past 35. I just decided that's as long as I'll live, so I'm just not even worried about it. This jailer didn't expect to live 35 more seconds, much less 35 more years. There's some of you that have wandered in here, and you're like the young man I spoke with. You don't expect to make it another 10 years. You're not sure you'll make it another 10 months. Because the darkness is so thick, and you can't see the hope. You can't see the way out. All you see is one more cell after another after another. One more dark hole that you can't seem to climb out of. And there's a light at the end of that tunnel. And his name is Jesus. The jailer understood more was at play. Do you understand that today? The jailer didn't just understand it, but he asked and got an answer. He looked at these men. Now remember what I told you earlier? Paul and Silas weren't like the other, other prisoners. They were in there praying and singing hymns. That jailer heard all that going on. He had to think these guys were crazy. But then when everything went down, he goes and he finds them. Remember, it's Paul, this same crazy man that's been praying and singing praises. And he screams out, don't harm yourself. And the jailer rushes in with a light. And he says, why are y'all all still here? That doesn't make any sense. Paul says, we're all here. He said, what do you mean you're all here? Just imagine this conversation. This morning in our sunrise service, I, I talked about how nobody really expected Jesus to rise from the grave. It was a bit crazy. Nobody celebrated the resurrection because they were so confused. They showed up and they said, where's he at? The angel said, where are you looking for him? He's not here. They said, what do you mean he's not here? He's supposed to be here. Where did you take him and put him? They were confused. The jailer runs in and he's confused. But here's what he knew. He knew there was something different about those men. He knew that those men belonged to Jesus Christ. How do you know that? Because from the moment they walked in the door, they were telling everybody that they belonged to Jesus. Somewhere along the way, in the middle of the storm that Paul and Silas were in, they assumed that God had sent them there for a purpose. And so they were using the opportunity. If they could find somebody that could listen, then they would share the good news of Jesus. Y'all ever been on a plane? You know nobody can get away from you on an airplane. Like literally, there's two places on earth that I know people can't get away from me. It's a, it's a chairlift on a ski lodge and an airplane. I have shared a lot of Jesus on a chairlift going up. Freezing to death. So what are you doing here? I, what do you do for a living? I'm glad you asked. I'm a pastor. And they go, oh. <laughs> oh. Let me tell you. It's not as bad as you think, right? We have opportunities. Well, guess what? In jail, ain't nobody going anywhere. They're locked up. Paul says, hey, let me tell you a little something. So they begin to sing. They begin to pray. They begin to praise the Lord. And the jailer hears all this. And then... Boom, they're set free. And these men of character stay because here's what they knew. They knew if they left that that jailer was a dead man. Here's what that jailer knew when he walked in. He knew that Paul and Silas and anybody else in that jail valued his life at least as much as they valued their own. They were willing to put their own neck on the line so that he might not have to die. And this man looks at these men and he says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now here's the deal. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if this was a spiritual question. I don't know if he walked in and he looked around at all these doors standing wide open and his question was more, more temporal, right? Hey, guys, this looks really bad. What can I do to get safe right here? But I don't really think that's what it was. They're all there. He's pretty safe. He gets everybody secure. He takes Paul and Silas out. He says, guys, I need what you have. What must I do to be saved? It's funny. 
Paul didn't then invite him to their Easter service. He didn't say, well, if you'll come out to the women's Bible study out by the river. He didn't say, well, let's, let's talk about it more later. He didn't say, well, if you'll cut a few backflips and do these crazy things, and also, if you'll just go ahead and get me out of this jail, then I can work it out. Now, Paul and Silas made it very simple and very clear, and they gave a very clear and concise gospel presentation to this man. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. Can I encourage you this morning to call on the name of the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. My conclusion question was, will you experience the resurrection of Jesus in your own life today? That's what I had written down, but... Let's go this way. Some of you have been in the dark for a long time. Some of you have been in dark places for a long time. Some of you have wandered for a long time. You've been in the darkness of your own lies. You've been in the darkness of your own false beliefs. You've been in the darkness of broken relationships. Some of you have been in the darkness of prisons made of your own devices. See, for some of you, the dark places of, of your own doing. You've just done enough over time that you've basically walled yourself in. I want you to know these three things on this Easter Sunday. Jesus died on a cross and rose from the grave. And you need to know these three reasons. Number one, he knows where you've been. And because he knows where you've been, he knows what needed to be done to set you free from those places. And he wasn't ashamed to die for you. He did it on purpose and of his free will. Number two, he knows where you are. He knows where you are spiritually. He knows where you are relationally. He knows where you are emotionally. He knows where you were physically this morning or last night or last week. He knows what you put into your body. He knows about your addictions. He knows about your affairs. He knows. And he still doesn't want you to harm yourself. Because he knows where you've been and where you are. And he's still ready to save you today. 
He knows that some of you are here against your own will and he's still ready to save you today. He knows that right now some of you are terrified because this message is hitting close to your heart. And you know that in just a minute I'm going to invite you to respond in an invitation and you're terrified because you know that if you get up and you walk out of that pew and you give your life to Jesus today, that everything in your life is going to get turned upside down. And you're afraid. He knows that. And guess what? He's willing to walk that journey with you. You see, it didn't matter which cross you hung on. If you were on that hill with Jesus, salvation was still open to you. It doesn't matter where you've been this week. If you're willing to come to Christ, salvation is open to you. And so this morning, I want to invite you. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, to give your heart to Jesus today. And if you're a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you this way. I want to invite you to walk into somebody else's prison and offer them hope. I want to invite you to walk into somebody else's mess and give them the light. I want you to walk into somebody else's hopelessness and help them see there's a future on the other side of the pain that they've inflicted upon themselves. And finally this morning, if you've been hurting yourself, I want to beg you to stop. And I want to invite you to come to Jesus and find hope and healing. He's enough. And He is not ashamed of you. He went to Calvary to die and save you from your sin. And He rose from the grave so that you and I and everybody else would know that He is the King victorious and He can save you. As we sing today, would you come? Pray with me. Father God, we love you and we thank you and we praise you on this Easter Sunday that Jesus is enough. Thank you that He rose from the grave to save us from our sin. Lord, as we've gathered today, Lord, if there's somebody here who's held captive by their sin, I pray today, Lord God, that you would break them free. That they, Lord God, with the jailer, would cry out, what must I do to be saved? We trust you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all stand with us. And as we sing, if you're ready to take that next step, come today. Give your life to Christ. Come today. Be healed. Come today. Be set free.